Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, hello, hello. What's up, y'all? Welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Sersosimo. And today you're listening on the Believe Network. Boy, do we have a lot to get to today. We have the Miami Open, and we are going to recap that and also the month of March that was in the United States for the tennis swing. What an incredible month for the sport of tennis, for American tennis, and for just Masters 1000s and these tournaments that are in the United States that I don't feel like get enough credit. I think they are in both incredible tournaments, Indian Wells and Miami. I think players love playing in them. And when it comes to value of entertainment, second to none uh, during the month of March for sure. Now, don't come after me like that because I know I said best entertainment in March. I'm talking about tennis right now, folks. I know there's March Madness, other things going on. But as far as tennis goes, these are a phenomenal four weeks for the sport of tennis. Uh, Let's get right into the Miami Open. Carlos Alcaraz has an incredible tournament. He plays back-to-back nights at times. He's winning thrillers and third sets. He's winning tiebreakers just to... You know, stay in the tournament, and he plays phenomenal the entire time. In order to get to the final in Miami, he had to beat some incredible players, and some of them you guys might not think you know are the biggest names, but they play big in this tournament, and these players did play big in this tournament. He had to beat Marin Cilic, he had to beat uh, Fushnevich, which not a huge win, but he had to beat him. Go beat Marin Cilic. He beat Stefano Tsitsipas in straight sets. That's a massive win. Tsitsipas was the number three seed in this tournament. Then he had to go on to to beat uh, Kecmanovic. Now, Kecmanovic had an incredible tournament as well. He beat Taylor Fritz, which was a grind in three sets. He beat Sebastian Corda, which was a great win. And he beat Felix Ogiel-Yassim. This is someone to keep your eye on. This kid played unbelievable in this tournament as well. Um, And he, he goes on to play... Carlos Alcaraz, and Alcaraz beats him in a third set tiebreaker. This was like a heavyweight matchup. What this match reminded me of, obviously, I don't think as good of tennis, but when Rafael Nadal played Novak Djokovic uh, in last year's French Open and beat him in the semis, and it was like a heavyweight matchup, that's how this match kind of felt. It was back and forth. It was two hard hitters crushing the ball, making unbelievable plays, and Carlos Alcaraz comes out on top in a tiebreaker in the in the third set. So he barely squeezes by there. And then he had to go, I believe he played the very next day, and he had to go on and play Hubie Hurkacz, who was the remaining champion in this, the, the reigning champion in this tournament. So no easy feat to come around, turn around, and play him. But Alcaraz takes care of business and wins this one 7-6, 7-6, and two tiebreakers straight sets. A great match by him again. He somehow avoids a few things and gets into uh, the final in Miami, who he ended up playing Casper Ruud. And Casper Ruud's been playing great tennis when it comes to hard courts. We already know he's great on on clay courts, but Casper Ruud is really, really good on hard courts this year especially. But another big storyline out of this final is that Casper Ruud is the first Norwegian to ever make it into a Masters 1000 final. And I think... Norwegian tennis has got to go up after this. I believe that he's on a run. I believe that he's going to have an incredible year. He's fun to watch. He's level-headed. He knows what he's doing. Kasparud, an incredible championship to make it 
to the Miami final on Sunday. But Carlos Alcaraz, the guy he's playing, is the fourth youngest player to ever reach a Masters 1000 final. So that is... And he, and he just beat Tsitsipas, and he just beat Hubie Hercoc, and all those guys. So he had a lot of momentum going into this final as well. At the end of the day, Carlos Alcaraz becomes the youngest player ever to win a Masters 1000s title. He was 18 years old and 300 and some odd days, and he is the youngest to ever win a Masters 1000 final. Now, the youngest uh, teens to ever reach either a BNP Paribas Open or a Miami Open final or semifinal, excuse me. Carlos is the youngest. And then it goes Rafa, and then it goes Novak, and then it goes Andy Murray, and then it goes Andre Agassi, who were all 19 years old when they reached either Indian Wells or Miami final. They all reached world number one at some point in their career. I think the sky's the limit for this Alcaraz kid. He is incredible. He wins the Miami Open. He plays a great tournament two weeks. And just the way he played, like it was just the way that he would grind these matches out. I mean, he obviously he reminds people a lot of Rafael Nadal, but the way he would win these matches and then come back the next day and do it, just the physical nature of his play and the physical nature of how he can win these matches is incredible. And I don't want to say that I've never seen it before. The only person I see win like that is Rafael Nadal. So he's taken after his mentor. He's playing great tennis. And this is just the start to an incredible year, I believe, for Carlos Alcaraz. And I can't wait to sit here and watch and see what he does moving forward. Uh, I think he's must-watch must TV. They were talk, uh, Andy Roddick was saying on the Tennis Channel the other day that you get crowds like this in Masters 1000s for guys that are like Novak or Rafa. But people were flocking to Hard Rock Stadium to watch Carlos Alcaraz play. I don't blame him. He's great. He's great to watch. He's entertaining to watch. But the fact that he's 18 years old and getting these crowds says quite a lot about the player he is, the person he is, and the player that he's going to be in this sport moving forward. Now, we also have someone else to talk about in the Miami Open. We talked about Rude. We talked about Alcaraz and the incredible tournaments that they had. But we also need to talk about the guy who made it all the way to the semifinals that had an incredible run as well. And that's Francisco Serendolo. Francisco Serendolo uh, is world number 103. He's ranked num number 103. He's the lowest ranked Miami Open men's semifinalist in 37-year history of the event. He's the first player to reach the semifinals in his ATP Masters 1000's main draw debut since 2012. In his main draw debut, you heard that right. He made the semifinals in his Masters 1000 main draw debut. Never been in the main draw of Masters 1000. Incredible. Uh, and then he's 5-2 and two at tour-level matches on hardcore, 0-2 before the Miami Open. So he hadn't won on hardcore, and then he goes into the Miami Open and wins. He, he plays a great tournament. Um, obviously, your kind of gas is going to run out at some point, and I think everybody or a lot of people at least expected that. But he beat Yannick Sinner in a walkover and a, in a withdrawal. He beat Francis Tiafo. He beats Gael Monfils. He beats Riley Opelka. So it's not like he's not beating anybody. He beats Opelka, who I thought would do better in this tournament. He beats Monfils, who had a great Indian Wells. And then he goes on to beat Francis Tiafo in three sets, which is a grind. And then he gets a walkover from Sinner. Now, Sinner said he wasn't feeling great and, you know, obviously had some injury issues. But to beat those guys on the way to the semifinal and then lose to Casper Ruud in two sets. Obviously, running out of gas at that point. But my God, Serendolo, take a bow. What a tournament for that guy. And it was incredible to watch, really. Uh, it was fun to watch. And 
I was rooting for him. I think everybody is. And it puts his name on the map, and it really puts him in a position to do some big things this year. And I hope he does because uh, he deserves it. He plays good tennis. He plays comfortable tennis, and I think he's fun to watch. So uh, I just had to put my two cents in about that because Serendolo played on played incredible. He just played incredible. I've said incredible 80,000 times on this podcast today. But there's a lot of incredible things that came out of Miami. Sinner got hurt which was really unfortunate for him, but hopefully he can move forward. You put him on the list of being hurt with Rafael Nadal. Not a great sign, but, you know, they'll keep moving forward. I got faith in these guys and that they will, they'll they be back for Roland Garros. Uh, that's that's pretty much all that, not not all, that was a ton that came out of the Miami Open. On the double side, um, Hubie Hercoc and John Isner went on the double side, which is a great win for those two. Um, you look at guys who have won these tournaments and... John Isner just wins back-to-back doubles titles. He wins at Indian Wells, and then he goes forward and wins at uh, Miami. So John Isner, doubles guy. Is he a doubles guy? I think it comes easier for him just because of how tall he is and how much he can you know, use his height to his advantage. But John Isner, uh, a, lot, a lot of fun to watch in doubles. Those two were a lot of fun to watch too. But find that guy a doubles partner, and he's almost going to win every Masters 1000 tournament, it seems like, because he literally just did. Miami's over, Indian Wells is over, it's time for people to get out of the United States and head on to Monte Carlo for the Masters that's going on there this next month in April. However, there is yep the Rolex Monte Carlo Masters, which starts on the 10th of April, but there's another tournament that's going on in the United States. It's a clay court championship, and it is in Houston, of all places. Houston, Texas is hosting a tournament actually this week. So there's actually a really good draw here. There's a lot of good players here. Uh, a lucky loser will be the number one seed, which is obviously a little, little weird. But look at some of these first-round matches. Uh, Mackenzie McDonald's playing Nick Kyrgios in a first-round match. Uh, you you keep going down. Jensen Brooksby is, is playing J.J. Wolf in a first-round match. That's going to be a really good first-round match. Uh, Steve Johnson and Dennis Kudla are playing each other in a first-round match. Uh, Christian Guerin, Who's good? He's playing Jack Sock in a first-round match. There's a lot of good players in this tournament and a ton of Americans. Fritz, Harrison, uh, Sock, Kudla, Isner, Johnson, uh, Giron, Tiafo, Brooksby, Wolf, Kruger, Opelka, Paul, McDonald, Query. That's a ton of Americans in this tournament. I think it's a fun tournament. I think it's a fun tournament to watch. It's going to be fun down there for everybody. It's going to be very entertaining. A lot of young guys in this tournament and a lot of entertaining young guys to watch. So honestly, if an American doesn't win this tournament, I'm going to be awfully disappointed because uh, there's really only like 30 people in this tournament and there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15, ha- half the draw is Americans. Literally half the draw is Americans. So I'm going to be disappointed if American doesn't win this clay court tournament down in Houston, Texas. They should win it. They should have a really good showing. But another big storyline out of this tournament is Nick Kyrgios told Blair Henley yesterday, and Blair Henley tweeted this out, that this is his first and last clay court tournament of the season. He's not going to play in Roland Garros. He's going to go home. He wants to spend more time at home before he leaves again for another three months, which I understand. It, it's valid. Uh, but you know, missing him on tour level events is tough probably for the sport. So he said, he's not going to go to Paris this year, but next year he said he will be playing in Roland Garros. And when Blair asked why he said, uh, because my girlfriend wants to see Paris. So a funny excuse to go, go play Roland Garros. But I think, you know, the sport's better if he plays, 
I honestly don't feel like he has the patience to play on clay, if I'm being honest. Uh, I think he's a fast court, a quick pace player, and that's what he's going to go for, and that's what he's going to do. So I believe that he just skips clay because he just doesn't want to deal with playing too. You know, if he makes it farther in the Roland Garros, like that's a lot of time on your feet, and that's just not the type of player he is. So uh, I guess knowing your strengths, knowing your battles, and being good at what you're good at helps you along this journey, and he's chose not to play Roland Garros. Casper uh, Rude has pulled out of this Houston tournament. He was in this Houston tournament. I believe he was probably the one seed. That's why a lucky loser jumps up there as the one seed. But he said he's not playing in this tournament because he got injured or something. I cannot remember what happened. Uh, he said, oh, he's got wisdom tooth pain. That's what it was. He said he has some wisdom tooth pain, so he's not playing in it. Uh, so he won't be in Houston. Uh, around the around the tour, here's some other news. Top 10 after Miami, Djokovic, Medvedev, Sverev, Nadal, Tsitsipas are the top five. Then it goes Berrettini, Rude, Rublev, Ogiele, Asim, Cam Nori still at 10. Alcaraz is at number 11. He jumps up five spots on, on the tour level point. So he'll be in the top 10 before you know it. It should not take long for him to be in the top 10. But that's that's the top 10 as we go now. Medvedev still at number two. He had the chance to jump back up to one. He missed that chance. And so now he sits at number two for just a little bit longer. In other news, uh, Dominic Team, he has COVID. He tested positive for COVID, which is really unfortunate for him just because of how he came you know, out, out of being hurt. And then he moves right into he moves right into a challenger tournament. And then he pretty much he pretty much posts this on his uh, Twitter. He said, looks like lately the good news doesn't last long. Uh, last night after dinner, I started feeling unwell and didn't have a good night. After developing mild symptoms, I decided to take a test this morning, which came back positive for COVID-19. So hopefully he can play in a Grand Slam this year. Hopefully he can get back to normal, but it is really unfortunate to see Dominic team, you know, just keep running into walls because, you know, he's Grand Slam champion. He's a great player. He's fun to watch. And hopefully he can get back on tour really, really soon. Overall, an incredible month in the country of America, in the nation. It was an incredible month for tennis. Uh, Indian Wells was a great tournament capped by Taylor Fritz, an American winning it, and two Americans winning it on the double side in Sock and Isner. And then we go to Miami, and it's Carlo, Carlos Alcaraz has just in a dream of a tournament that he had down there in Miami and wins that tournament and, and really kickstarts his career and makes his name even more popular. He was popular, but this really just boosts him. So good for Carlos Alcaraz. Good for American tennis. And this is the type of show, and this is the type of quality of tournaments that America can put on. And so I'm glad even with COVID and everything kind of went to the wayside the last couple of years this year, they were back to normal at those tournaments, and they were able to have just a solid event all around. Uh, winners were solid. Losers um, were not, you know, some of the big names lost. But it made even better for the winners. So a great tournament, a great American swing before, you know, things go a little haywire and they travel around before going to the clay court season at Roland Garros. And I'm, I'm really happy with how everything turned out. Uh, like I said, these tournaments were incredible and they were a lot of fun to watch. Thanks for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. As always, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Houston's going to be amazing. If I don't have good news next week on the podcast about Americans playing well in that tournament, I'm going to be a little salty. I'm just warning you now. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.